Hello and welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Project 119 Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Joel, and I am so excited to read with you today from the Advent Devotional Guide. Today's passage is Isaiah chapter 63, verse 15, through chapter 64, verse 12. I'm reading in the New International Version. Happy January 3rd, everyone. Let's dig into the word of the Lord together starting with verse 15. Look down from heaven and see, from your lofty throne, holy and glorious. Where are your zeal and your might? Your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us, but you are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us, you, Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer, from of old is your name. Why, Lord, do you make us wander from your ways and harden our hearts so we do not revere you? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes that are your inheritance. For a little while your people possessed your holy place, but now our enemies have trampled down your sanctuary. We are yours from of old, but you have not ruled over them. They have not been called by your name. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, You came down, and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry, How then can we be saved? All of us have become like the one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are your people. Your sacred cities have become a wasteland. Even Zion is a wasteland, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple, where our ancestors praised you, has been burned with fire, and all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all this, Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you keep silent and punish us beyond measure? 
The title of my devotion today is I Am the Clay. How do you respond when you find yourself in sin? Have you ever thought that you could fight sin by doing more spiritual things? If so, you are not alone. Every time I find myself battling some sort of sin problem, I tend to lean towards a works-based understanding of forgiveness and overcoming. In those times, I'll respond by reading my Bible a little bit more, even being a little more faithful to my prayer life. My efforts, however, of fixing my sin problem falls short of being able to affect the change that I want to see in my life. This is because, on their own, those spiritual actions have no power. It's not just the Bible that's shaping my life, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's within me. It's not just fasting that's causing me to change, but instead, the act of fasting is putting me in front of the Father who is changing me. In Isaiah chapter 63 through 64, we read a prayer that is being said by a person referred to by some commentators as the praying one. This person prays an elaborate prayer, remembering how God saved Israel at the Red Sea and then came down in glory at Mount Sinai. This prayer begs God to intervene and save God's people from the calamity of exile that has come upon Israel. Then in Isaiah 64, verse 5, this person acknowledges the true problem. The problem is that Israel continues to sin. Israel has a sin problem, and this problem causes Israel not to be in a right relationship with God. We are, quote, like one who is unclean, the praying one admits in Isaiah 64, verse 6. Even Israel's righteousness was like filthy rags before the Lord. Israel could try with all of their might to rid themselves of the sin via righteous acts, but these alone could not help them. In a sermon on this passage, Charles Spurgeon asks, Brethren, if our righteousness is so bad, what must our unrighteousness be? It's truly a frightening thing to realize that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves, even with our righteous acts. Instead, all we can do is place ourselves in the hands of the potter. We are a lump of unmolded clay on the table waiting to be acted upon by the Creator God. Thus, even our righteous acts have no inherent power, but instead what they do is they move us into the presence of the one who has the power to shape us in the mold of his mercy and grace. When you find yourself in sin, remember Jesus who died to make a way for you to be in abundant relationship with God. Let us not lean on our own strength to save ourselves, but let us call out to God the Father to shape us into the image of Christ through the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Joel, I thought it might be fun to do a little bonus track. Mm -hmm. I want to hear a little bit about you and this season of ministry. So i got a couple questions for you. Okay. up for that? Yeah, I'm up for it. Tell me about a favorite Christmas tradition that you have. Yeah. 
So one of my favorite traditions that I have in my family, so I'm the oldest of seven kids. And back when I was in college, I just felt really disconnected from my siblings. I was living away from my parents, doing college, working all the time at Chick-fil-A. And I just didn't feel really connected to them. And I went and got them one time to go Christmas shopping. And I took them to the Dollar General and said, okay, we're doing Secret Santa. Let's draw some names and you can go pick out something for your which sibling. And so they sort of latched onto that idea of doing a kid's night. So we'll go every year around Christmas time, we'll get together and we'll all go shopping together and they chant kids night, kids night. That's so fun. So if you're the oldest, uh then what's the spread? So the youngest is a 14, 13 or 14. Boy, I should know that, but he's he's in that range. <laughs> and then I have a brother who's a senior in high school, and then the rest of us are graduated and all across the world. I have two siblings living in Hawaii right now, one that's living there full time and another has just gone to live for an extended time. But so that's kind of sad to lose some of our kids night uh, participants, but we'll get together and go get some presents for each other around December and it'll hey, be fun. Dollar General is a hey, great place. Well, to shop. <laughs> it was all I could afford to pay for them at the time. So Okay, tell me about some Christmas foods yeah, that you enjoy. Yeah, so I one of the my family doesn't have very many traditions in the sense of going particular places or doing particular things. We just don't have that many uh, set in stone, but one of the traditions that my family has is we eat chocolate biscuits. So my mother uh, basically has a seven minute icing recipe that if you cook for like longer or less time, I forget which way you cook it, but you cook it either more or less and it turns into a fudgy thicker substance. And we take that chocolate and we put it on top of a buttered biscuit. And it's exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) And we eat those on Christmas, but we also eat them on birthdays. So if I have a birthday, we'll make a date to go eat breakfast up there. So that's that's probably one of the traditions that I look forward to is, is eating chocolate biscuits on Christmas Day. I want to go a little more seriously. Yep. Tell me something that we might be able to pray alongside for you and your family. Absolutely. So my wife is pregnant. So we have our first baby coming in April, which is four months away January, March, April. yeah that's it's that's pretty crazy soon. um so you could definitely be praying for us in that student ministry i have many uh, surrogate kids of of my own there right now and to have one of my own and trying to balance all of that you know you're all going to be laughing at me because you know i'm i'm like why is raising children so hard and i'm about to <laughs> I'm about to learn Um, But you can definitely be praying for us about that. Absolutely. And you mentioned the students. What is one way Um, we can pray alongside the student ministry? Boy, students, the longer you are around them, the more you understand just how hard it is to be that age right now with the technology that they have, the access to things that I never had access to, whether it's alcohol or things on the Internet And I just really, I want so much for them. And I know that we as a community want so much for them. 
Um, and on top of all of this, statistics just show that kids are, are really scheduled with a lot of things. And making room for Jesus is, is sort of hard for them right now with all their sports and clubs and school and, I mean, tests and, I mean, just everything. So I think you can be praying for our students, for them to sort of make Jesus a priority, but not at the cost of their well-being or <laughs> livelihood or all of the things that are truly important, getting into colleges and all of this stuff. I think that it's important for our community to come alongside them and, and help connect them to the church as a whole. So any ways that we can reach out to students that we know and, and be a relational connection for them to the church, I think when, once they go off to college, it's statistically it's a hard time for them. A lot, we lose a lot of um, students in college. And so the more relationships we can build with them right now, the more they're going to have a shot at being in the church when they come back. What is one way that we could be supportive of the student ministry in volunteer ways? Yeah, we do a lot of food. So if you were to come and say, Joel, is there anything I can bring food to? The answer is going to be yes. So if you have the availability and the opportunity to serve food at a student ministry function, I think that that's one big way. I'm always looking to onboard people who can devote their time to teaching I think that it's really important for our kids. Like I, like I was just saying, you, you can't really build a relationship with someone if you're seeing them once every other month. And so I'm really looking for some teachers to want to devote their their time and energies to discipling the young people in our church. So if you are interested in that, you can always, that's a, another way, but the food is a really easy way for me to plug you in. Um, so just, I think that, and then just looking for students and being kind to them and talking to them and helping them to feel a part of the greater church. I, I think we can sometimes get into the pitfall of youth ministry being its own thing and the church being another thing, but I think it, integrating those are, is a real big deal. Mm. Joel, is it okay if I pray over the things that you mentioned just please, now? Please. All right, let's pray together. Father, we come to you just so aware of our great need for you. Thank you for the reminders in your word of how you have come to save us. Thank you for Joel and his ministry to Mount Brook Baptist. We pray over his family even now. Thank you for this precious soul that is coming to be a part of Joel and Sarah's family. And we pray that you would continue to just mold them into parents that you have them to be. Protect and God, we pray. And um, we ask for a safe delivery in April. We ask, Lord, over the student ministry as well, we thank you for Joel's commitment to the students. We ask, Lord, that you would help each of us, but especially the students, to carve out time and energy that they can devote to their spiritual life. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to give us a passion for seeing students come to faith and to discipleship and help us to be conduits of your love and grace, whether it be through bringing food or teaching or just being around and making relationships with students and kind of mentoring them along the path of following you. Lord, we ask all these things knowing that you are at work in great ways, and we want to give you praise for that. Bless the student ministry of Mount Brook Baptist, we pray, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.